The best salespeople in the world are the ones who do it without you even noticing. Everyone's a salesperson, especially if you're an entrepreneur. In the I'm Not Salesy podcast, join me, Cassie McKenzie, and my fabulous guests as we dive into the top strategies, mindset, and energetics around sales and money so that you can hear more, yes, I'm in, instead of crickets or getting ghosted. So if you're ready to fully book out your programs with aligned AF clients and have people chasing you down in your inbox asking how to work with you, then subscribe to this podcast today and become not salesy too. If you're new, also coming over to LinkedIn, I do want to say that, you know, years ago, it was different, right? Where it was a place where you just went there to find jobs, or it was like stuffy people just about business. And now there are so like, they changed the platform about three to four years ago to attract more creators and attract more people to give it more of a social community based feel, which is why a lot of us are coming over because it's really what Facebook was in, you know, 2016. So if you've ever felt like you've been behind the curve on getting into these social media platforms, you know, like, like you missed the glory days, like you have it totally missed it at LinkedIn yet, but there are like three people a second joining it. So it tells you how important it's going to be, especially as a coach and for reaching ideal clients. So for me though, if you are posting every day, which to me is a non-negotiable, right? For me as a sales coach for, and, and also as a business coach, and if you want to get better at attracting clients, it's important to have content out every single day. Now, there's different types of content you can put out. There's different types that work really well on LinkedIn that don't work as well on other platforms that don't get the traction. And we're going to go into that a little bit. Um, but you honestly have to be warming up your audience on a daily, daily basis. Okay. So if like, if you think about the way people find you, on LinkedIn and the way that people find anybody on LinkedIn is going to be through seeing you and seeing your face and seeing the words that you write and making it like I try to treat every single piece of content like a little mini interview like what would and I think like okay what would somebody think of me if they saw like if I were somebody from the outside and I looked at that comment that I just wrote would I hire me off of that and that has been a huge game changer because it's something that um, I think people don't do often enough, right? And drop me a guess in the chat if you've ever thought that too, because I would love. Um, it's really different. Let me see. <laughs> I'm looking at the comments. It's really different compared to how it was before. It is Renee. You're 100% right there. Um, yes, I was actually told not to post on LinkedIn unless I'm posting work opportunities. However, since biting the bullet and jumping right in, oh my God, Tina, yes, no, absolutely. Whoever told you that is high off their ass. I'm sorry, with all due respect to them. I have no filter though, but like, <laughs> no, you get definitely need to be posting content. Definitely need to be posting content. That's like, um, <laughs> I'm glad you're, <laughs> I mean, you see what I do, right? Like the educational content, the storytelling content, there's so many different types that people tell you to do, but really it comes down to the, I mean, I teach this in my program, add 10 K in the DMS, because content is what's going to get you hired. Content is the thing that's going to be why somebody hires you. 
at different levels, right? You've got your educational content that teaches what you know, but then you've also got your storytelling content, which is the reason why people buy from you. So people definitely want to hear from you. So let's make, yeah, definitely make sure that you are, because think about it. If you were, like, if somebody were to find you from a comment that you left on my page, right? Um, like on a recent post and they click on your profile and go to it and you don't have any content there and your profile is not optimized for people to know exactly what it is that you do, how you help people. And, and if there's nothing there that has them say, oh, wow, like she can help me. If she can do it, I can do it. Or she's exactly the person who gets me and is the exact, so I know she can help me. Does that make sense? Guys, drop me a yes in the chat if that makes sense. Because this is where, um, I swear, I could go on for months about like business coaches that are coaching on like sales and messaging that literally have no sales experience at all. Agreed. Okay. And that's like, it honestly, like totally chops my ass because it keeps people stuck in the people who have like really great offers and have like clients that are ready and out there that need your help. And so they need to find you and they need to know that you're the one for them. Okay. Um, and so, you know, if this is kind of similar to when I started out, um, when I, when I started out as a pharmaceutical rep, um, actually this is very similar. I was 21 years old. I had braces. I had a bad haircut. It was like, I did the power cut, except I lived in Florida. I still do. Um, but at the time I've bounced around since 24 years ago, and now we've ended up in Florida again, but I had very thick hair. So when you cut it to your shoulders, it doesn't hang down nicely. Like Jennifer Aniston's did in friends. It looked like a mushroom. And so I, it was tragic. And, you know, besides that, I was brand new, fresh out of college. I went to Virginia Tech and graduated on a Friday and started this job on a Monday. And I was scared shitless that I was going to end up losing this great opportunity because like, I think I was making like more money than my mom did as a teacher for 20 years. And she always reminded me of that, which was fa fabulous as well. Right. Like everybody wants to be reminded of that. But anyway, at first I had these rough times too, because I tried to look at what other people were doing and replicating it um, just, you know, without talking to them about why they were doing certain things and why they were taking certain actions in the offices. And I was just kind of like guessing, like it was a lot of guesswork. So I, it made me second guess myself and what I was creating or what I was saying and how I was showing up in my job. And I always questioned whether I knew enough to really talk about this, or is this the right step to take, right? And so for a while, I didn't have any guarantee about any kind of results that I was gonna get, all right? There was, no, you know, I didn't know how to know if something was working or not. I didn't know what to look for to see if something was working. I could go out and like check off a to-do list, but I didn't know what to look at after that to say, hey, this is working. And so, I didn't know how to forecast when people were going to buy or what they were going to buy. I didn't know how to follow up. I didn't know like how often I should follow up, like all of these things that are pretty basic with sales. And so all of these things I could, I literally sat there in sales meetings and I heard people talking about it and they'd talk about it at our sales meetings and in our, on our conference calls. And I was on a super successful team. So they were number one, but the problem is <laughs> I ended up hanging out with this one chick on our team who was like 
kind of like the ugly duckling, like didn't really do very great, but she had all this time on her hands because if you think about it, like the successful people are the ones that are busy being successful. And so usually the ones who have like a lot of time on their hands, uh, they have nothing better to do, right? They're usually like, they don't really know what they're talking about anyway, right? And so towards the beginning of my career, you know, like I realized that I needed mentorship and I needed to pay attention and I needed a man, like a manager that knew what the hell he was doing and needed to listen to him and needed to get a, um, you know, like a good mentor in the group that was willing to like take me under his wing. And, you know, I, what I learned was like, it doesn't matter. Like learning that info is half the battle. Like I lived in New Jersey for three months getting like world-class training. I blazed through it. It was great. I think my company spent like $20,000 on us, each of us to go through training, similar to what it's like in the coaching industry, right? They have to prep you. You learn the skills, you learn the information to go out. But then like where it really, as the analogy says, like the rubber meets the road is when you're implementing all these steps, right? And so that's half the battle. Like half of it is really you taking the action and implementing this stuff on your own and knowing whether it's working or not, or if you're doing it right, or if, you know, right. Or if it's, you know, going to be something you can keep up with and, and keep going long-term. Cause a lot of people get burnt out because they learn, they like hustle their way, trying to do something from the outside, you know, and it's not really a sustainable way of doing it. So, um, you know, that's where, I, when I got a mentor and I would call him, I'd implement that I'd call him and that I'd listen to him and that I'd call him and seeing him do things like, just like what we're talking here made me think like I can do it too. All right. Like seeing him on a sales call, talking to the doctors, handling an objection that the doctor had, just having a normal conversation, starting conversations, like that was terrifying. Like, how am I supposed to, when I bring a lunch in, how am I supposed to go from, Hey, here's the Olive Garden, like salad tongs. And by the way, how do you like using my pro my product? You know what I mean? Like it's awkward as hell, just like it can be in real life. If you don't have a good guide, there teaching you how to do it. Right. And so I created this like plan of action. And that's what I want to teach you guys today because this is exactly what I've adapted into LinkedIn today. So for those of you, and drop me a yes if you've ever been in that. Oh, you did your undergrad at UCF. I love it. Yes, complete sense. Awesome. I love this. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, we live, we live in St. Pete Beach right now. So we're just down the road from there. Um, so how do, so I want to teach you, for those of you who are saying like, how do I find the people who are going to be the first ones to say, send me the link and buy super easily. All right. This is day one of this is about finding your ideal clients and how to know that you found them because I want to save you some of the headache that I had. Um, and then, cause I, let me say, I should go back. I came over, I started posting on LinkedIn like once a month back in October, <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, let me just post there. I'm sure it'll be great. And I got like zero engagement. So I literally, I had a, I hired a coach myself to find out what's the easiest process for doing that. And then I tried it out and tested it and, and like kind of molded it to make it like Cassie style, which is like cutting out even more fat in it. <laughs> so that's what I teach my clients, but okay. So number one, though, here's the first step. Number one is going to be who is your customer, right? Now, a lot of people come to me and they say, well, 
I, I'm afraid to leave business on the table, you know, and niche down because it's going to cut back on my sales. Because I will say the the people who struggle online, and I will always say this, but the ones who don't narrow the niche down, okay, what and whether your niche is a type of person or it's an industry, like for example, instead of being like, oh, I just help coaches. What about you help coaches who want to branch out into making money off of speaking events or who want coaches who want to host retreats or even, um, you know, spiritual retreats and things like that. Okay. Because I, let me tell you, like I have a client who is a marketing specialist. So she helps, um, she, she helps like online business owners to choose the, the type of marketing strategy that works best for them. And we, like, I have these three-day sessions in Boxer, Val, you're about to do one, where um, we nail down, like, your target market, your um, messaging, and your positioning so that you can position yourself to sell the higher ticket offers, and also the messaging that goes along with that, that clearly gets the picture across to what you do, and it really makes you more marketable online because, people actually see themselves in your content. And so I I have this client who's a marketing specialist and we spent, you know, the three days doing this. Um, we do it in Boxer back and forth and it's so much fun. And we narrowed her focus down for the first time in a few years. And it helped her bust through this block that she had about the work that she was doing and really see it more clearly and know how exactly to explain it in a tangible way um, to set herself apart and differentiate herself. So I'm saying like even a marketing specialist and even a sales specialist can find, um, you know, can kind of butt up against the wall with niching down too. And like if whatever you say that your niche is too small or that it might cut out customers, I want to just tell you. So in, in my pharmaceutical days, when I, my very first job was not calling on every doctor in Birmingham, Alabama, or every doctor in the U.S., right? My territory was Birmingham, Alabama, and Tuscaloosa, Alabama, together. And so I had oncologists. It wasn't every doctor in there. I had called on oncologists in that small territory, in that small state of a big country, right? So we're taking the country down to the state, down to the, the city, just the city of Birmingham, oncologists in that city and then it, they, and it wasn't me calling on them when I say calling on them you know like selling a product to them for every product that they used my product was specifically for um, building up red blood cells <clears throat> it wasn't a pill it was a biologic you see so like the niche that I had was such a specialized niche inside you know, like an industry, but even within that specialized niche, it was just a small amount of patients in that, of every single patient that came in, not every single one had anemia, not every single one needed my product. So, you know, and I ended up selling $22 million in products in two years. So when I, when I hear people say like, oh, the niche is going to be too small, it's absolutely not. It makes it so easy for people to see, like they can picture themselves in the work that you do. When And the more niche down that you are, the more you're going to understand exactly the problems that they're going through. 
And you're going to be able to create very specific content that speaks to the exact problem that they have, you know, on a minute to minute basis. Cause you know, we can all have a bunch of different problems, but when your content is addressing these little minute problems that they have, it's going to blow up your popularity with the with the exact ideal clients that you have in your audience and the ones that you are, you know, infiltrating on social media. If you loved this episode of I'm Not Salesy, then go ahead and hit subscribe so that you're notified of the next episode. And also leave a five-star rating and a review. And if you send it to the link in the show notes, we will send you a present in return. We also love to feature reviews on the podcast as well. So we'd love to feature yours. So go ahead and send a screenshot to the inbox and come find me on social media. I love hearing what you're up to and how you're becoming not salesy too. I'll see you in the next episode.